Welcome to Garden DC, the podcast about everything gardening in the Washington DC and Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Kathy Gents. I'm the editor of Washington Gardener Magazine, and we're aimed at gardening enthusiasts, people who grow everything from edibles to ornamentals, natives to exotics. If it grows in our area, that's what we talk about. This episode of Garden DC, we're joined by Kathleen Gagan, owner of Peonies Envy. Welcome, Kathleen. Thank you. How are you, Kathy? Good. How are you? I know this is your crazy busy season. It is crazy busy. I'm good. We're hanging in there. We have lots of support. And so, but the gardens are open. Lots of people are in their gardens, and we are primarily a mail order business. And so, not only are our gardens open and coming into the week of peak bloom, but we're also shipping packages nationwide. And tomorrow, our production fields of 12 acres, which is a separate site about four miles from our display garden, opens to the public for you pick your own peonies. And so, yeah, it's a week. <laughs> Hi, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, for our listeners who are not familiar with Peonies MV, let's talk a little bit about where you're located, how close you are to local uh, metro areas, and how you would even come to visit and do that pick your own. Sure. So Peonies MV is located in a town called Bernardsville, New Jersey. It is in the north central location. It's directly west of New York City, about an hour from New York City on a good day. Um, we normally take either the George Washington Bridge or the Holland Tunnel in. And so without traffic, we're about an hour into lower Manhattan. Um, we are in a nice location. It is wooded and treed and farmed. Um, before the highways, 78 and 287 and 80, it used to be an area that was like pretty much summer estates for people working in New York City. Um, the highways have connected it, and so it's kind of a commuter town into New York City. Um, but a couple stops short of the end of the train line. So it's a long commute if you're going into the city every day. Um, but it's a lovely area. Um, the display garden is actually where I live, and this is where Peonies Envy started. We outgrew this location for production purposes. And so we lease 12 acres from a farm that I think is in the 10th generation of ownership. It's called the English Farm. And we lease land there. And a couple of years ago, we opened it up to you pick your own peonies. We are not a cut flower grower. We grow for roots and we open the display garden to help people see how peonies grow, what conditions they need. This is a tree peony. This is not. This is an herbaceous peony. Oh, that needs sun. Um, and so people can just come and see what a red peony looks like, what a coral peony looks like. Oh, that's a coral peony, but this one's yellow and that one's orange. What happened? Well, it faded. And so an hour spent in the garden can teach you a whole lot about the culture of peonies, how to grow them, that deer don't eat them, how much sun they require, what do we mean by feed them, what do we feed them, um, and it's just become a peaceful, peaceful place. The uh, cutting fields are in the middle of a big farm. And the contrast between the display garden setting and the cut flower setting is a real dichotomy. And so it's nice for people to be able to see the spectrum of environments in which peonies can grow and grow well. And so it's nice. Um, we don't have to open either to the public. Our business is primarily e-commerce, um, old-fashioned mail order. Um, but it's 
I, I have always felt that inviting the public into something pleasing, something calm, gives people a respite. And so while we can, um, I would like to remain open to the public for visits during the peony bloom. We are open every year for about six weeks of the eight weeks of peony bloom. And I just find it a real, a real treasure and pleasure um, to be able to host the public here. It's exhausting. Um, it's not without its challenges every day. But it's, it's, been, it's been a lovely experience to be able to do. And that immersion in that peony field must be incredible. I can smell it from here. <laughs> I went over to pick. Um, we never know when to open. You know, do we open the, you know, on the 25th of May? Do we open the 28th of May? Every spring is a little bit different. And the cut flower fields are a minute. They are herbaceous peonies. And mostly they are the lactiflora herbaceous, the big cut flower herbaceous. And they tend to bloom at the very end of the peony season. And so the first year we were open, we were open for two weekends in a week. And the bloom was another week longer. And we closed early and we thought, oh, what a shame. So the next year we opened for three weekends in two weeks. And it was a really hot, hot spring. And we were a little bit more popular. And we got picked out and the blooms were pushed past in eight days and we're like okay that didn't work so this year we opened for eight days we're going to be open we're going to have great bloom the whole time and we should have opened five days ago and so this morning i was out there cutting and i don't know if you guys know the peony cultivar red charm mm -hmm. but we have about i don't know a thousand plants of red charm and they're all in one area and they were in peak bloom today. Probably about 60% of the buds were open and just splayed. And each bud was probably, I don't know, like as, as large as my two fists in this big, huge ball of red. It was so extremely gorgeous. I was crying. It was just beautiful. And then walking through this open field. It was a cold morning in New Jersey. Finally, the hot spell broke. And so we went from 90 degrees yesterday to 60 degrees this morning. And I'm in this field with the, you know, red-winged blackbirds and the, you know, weeds up to my chest because we're mowing today to get ready for tomorrow. It was so spectacularly gorgeous. Um, I posted a little video on Instagram. So if anybody wants to join us on Instagram, our Instagram is peonies NV, P-E-O-N-Y-S-E-N-V-Y. And you can see what I was experiencing this morning out at the field. I was just laughing out loud. It was so beautiful. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad, uh, Kathleen, that you spelled that for our listeners, <laughs> because some of them coming into this uh, episode might be like, what did she just say? <laughs> so, and I know that your cheeky name of your business has been great for branding and attracting attention. And we're going to get into all things peony and peony care. But let's talk for a few minutes about you, Kathleen, and how you got into gardening or the love of peonies and peony world, did you start off as a gardener? No, I, I have memories of gardening with my grandma. She owned, she and my grandfather owned um, a nice farm in Wisconsin, sort of a gentleman's farm in Wisconsin. And my grandmother had huge gardens and I was allowed, and I put that in quotes, to garden with her. Um, she was into garden club and she just had this beautiful, beautiful garden. I can remember seeing my first hummingbird. And so maybe a little bit of the love comes from my grandmother, Fern Galtz. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, my degree is in linguistics and I had a career in corporate and spent a little bit of time in my adult life living abroad. And so languages and linguistics and how cultures communicate similarly or differently and the world of Noam Chomsky is the world academically that I grew up in. But we ended up as a family in New Jersey and we bought a piece of property that although only eight acres was in what New Jersey terms as farmland assessment. Um, something that New Jersey did in order not to break up all the farms. It helped farmers 
um, with tax assistance. And so Mm -hmm. if you farm, you pay a lower tax rate on the land that you own. And so when we bought the property, it was already in farmland assessment. And in sort of an A.A. Milne careless moment, Pooh Bear says, you know, carelessly, I said, oh, farmland assessment, I'll take care of that. And probably 11 years later, because my background is not in horticulture or any of this, and we continued to go back and forth abroad, um, I I was I, I finally found something that worked in order to have a sustainable crop. And by process of elimination, having failed several other ventures, um, I started to grow peonies. And A, it's everybody's favorite flower. And so if you say, oh, and it's a great pickup line, by the way, like, what do you do? Well, I own a peony farm. And after the normal, huh, what? What did you say? <laughs> oh, you want to pay? It's like, oh, that's my favorite flower. Oh, I carried that in my wedding. Oh, I was at, you know, so if you want to start a conversation, it's fun. Like, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm the owner of a peony farm. There's usually a f- conversation about peonies, my wedding, my grandmother's garden. I have my great uncle's peonies and my, you know, aunt in so-and-so had them for me. And there are stories. And so, A peony is many people's favorite flower, and that certainly helps with the business. But in the beginning, deer don't eat peonies. For the most part, peonies are a pretty deer-proof plant. And in so many areas of the United States, and certainly in the area where I live, we have deer, lots and lots and lots of deer. They're overpopulated, and that's a whole different conversation. But deer don't eat peonies. And so since the deer didn't eat them, we had them year two. And people were interested in the product. And we got this great name for the business. And we were picked up by magazines and some, you know, famous gardeners. And um, we had a lot of support from the community. And I think, honestly, besides the the peony being just such a great flower. The name certainly helped. But I think as, and not everybody loved the name, but that's a different different story. Um, but I think that of all the time one spends in the garden, there are certain plants that require more from you than they give back to you. And I know that everybody has their favorite flowers, but I think a peony for the little tiny bit of care and love it needs from you in order to thrive, it gives back so much more than it takes. And I know it only blooms for a little tiny bit of time, but it blooms every year. And I think that we wait for it and it's almost perfect. And then it rains and it's like, oh, we have to wait another year for my peonies to come Mm. back. Mm-hmm. But I just, it's such a joyful and easy flower to cultivate. I think that that is the main reason that the company has been successful. And so we're still here. We started with 30 peonies around 2006. I don't remember exactly when we opened the gardens to the public, um, but I think 2008. And it was tiny, not huge. Um, and now it's fairly. It's luscious. It's beautiful. Um, And we are lucky enough to have um, about 700 different varieties of peonies that we grow here. And so we do have a bloom that extends over six weeks. We, We are not open usually for the first week of the bloom, and we're not open for the very last week of the bloom. And so the public can't come and see the very, very early species peonies. Not everybody gets to come for the woodland and the shade peonies. Um, People usually start coming for the bloom of the tree peonies, which in New Jersey is around Mother's Day, the second week in May for about 10 days. We have a huge tree peony collection and that blooms with different groups of species, cultivars from different groups of species, 
blooming kind of week two, week three, week four of an of a eight-week peony bloom. And then as the last of the tree peonies are in peak bloom, the early herbaceous begin. And so right now we find ourselves sort of at the end of the second week of the herbaceous peony bloom. And so the garden is, you know, really filling up with bloom. The, the herbaceous peony gardens are really filling up with bloom. And different cultures come to the gardens for different things. The tree peony, which blooms around Mother's Day, is native to China. And it's a revered plant in China. And so often during the tree peony bloom, our gardens look like the United Nations. We have people from many cultures and languages and places within China and around um, Japan and Korea and that know this plant intimately. And then as we come into the herbaceous peony bloom, we tend to be kind of a more, a wider group, um, but not as many um, people from Asia as there were during the tree peony bloom. And that's nice for me, like coming from linguistics, I speak a little bit of Chinese. And so during the tree peony bloom, especially I get to practice. Um, and I like that. I think mm -hmm. I changed careers. I, you know, worked in Asia and I worked in corporate and I worked in linguistics and I gave a little bit of that up for my family and I missed my career. And had I known that I would be able to use a lot of the skills that I so love now in this new career in my life, I think I would have maybe not missed my myself so much, you know, in the transitions that one makes um, for hmm. family and stuff. And so kind of a, a, one of the lessons to me in my life is that everything that I learned um, in one career have found their way into this career as well. You know, I used to spend a lot of time on stage in corporate rooms, and now I spend a lot of time on stage at the Philadelphia Flower Show and in my garden and lecturing about peonies with, you know, garden clubs across the United States. And it's not the same stage, but it is the same skill set, um, not the same topic, but uh, the things that I honed being in corporate are the things that I use every day being in the garden. And mm -hmm. that has been a lovely and I think peaceful reminder to people who are going through, you know, changes in their careers and in their lives. So That's so true. And as a business owner, you're kind of like chief bottle washer and <laughs> promoter and everything, the face of the business and the brand. But so much of that is cumulative of your life's works and experiences that you can bring to it and make it all, you know, much more enriched uh, for what it is. And, you know, had you started the peony business right out of college, you know, maybe with a horticulture degree, it would be a whole different type. It probably wouldn't be called peonies envy, you know, exactly. <laughs> might've gone a whole different direction. You might still have a peony farm, but not the same way. Just definitely. It's just, it's, it's such a lovely, I don't know. I am, I am very, I feel very honored and very grateful for the support that I've had throughout. It's just, it's been a fun ride and, you know, continues to be. Not every day I'm exhausted, you know, and it's peak bloom. So of course we're exhausted. And I asked my friends, I'm like, do I say this every year? And they're like, yeah, you say this every year. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but it's great that it is, there is a seasonality to there it. There is a season, and, exactly. Yes. And there is an end and then there's a recovery period mm -hmm. and then, and then it starts all over again. And yeah. again. <laughs> Normally in normal years, I mean, this is the year of COVID, you know, and I am vaccinated and I am two weeks out plus from my second vaccine. And so I am potentially um, immune for a period of time. And I feel so much more comfortable and so happy about this. But normally in January, February and March, Peonies Envy is a vendor at many of the flower shows across the United States. And so in March, we're at the Philadelphia Flower Show. Well, the Philadelphia Flower Show this year is going to be held, and we're so excited about that. But it starts on the 4th of June, 
we move into the flower show on the 3rd of June. And the Philadelphia Flower Show is one of our biggest and most wonderful events every year and takes a lot of manpower and a lot of hours. And it begins while we're still in peak bloom here at the farm. We're going to close the cut flower fields early so we don't have to be at the cut flower fields at the farm doing mail order and at the Philadelphia Flower Show. But it's 10 whole days. And part of me is like, oh, Lord, okay, I just have to breathe. Like we had, it, the, the last, the, during, the, during the peak of the lactiflora herbaceous peonies, which is coming up starting Thursday, we're marking the beginning of peak week. We, in the middle of that week, this weekend, which is also Memorial Day weekend, we have a big peak bloom party. And it has sold out. And then we had another one and it is also sold out. So we're holding two peak bloom parties this year in part because we canceled last year due to COVID. Um, but usually gearing up for peak bloom party, cross your fingers, it's not going to rain Saturday night. And then again, Sunday. Um, but 100 people come to the garden and it, it used to be free. But no one ever came. And then a girlfriend said, look, if you sell tickets, people will come and you'll sell out. And so that's <laughs> true. <laughs> and so, right. And so now I'm like, we open the cut flower fields tomorrow. We're almost set up. I just need to go pick up signs in the morning and then we're good for the cut flower fields. I've got people to help me tomorrow here at the display garden. We've resolved sort of the photography, no photography in the display garden, which is a whole different issue. Um and then I can turn my attention to, okay, is it going to rain or not during the peak bloom party? And how many tables do I need and who's sitting where? And so that is usually kind of the end of it. Once we get through peak bloom party and everybody goes home, I can start to unravel. I can, then it's the big denouement and whatever happens, happens. The rest of the time that we're open is gravy and it's usually a whole additional week. And then we close and we can sleep for a week. But this year we have to be on our toes for 10 additional days at the Philadelphia Flower Show. And I'm so grateful and it's like going to be great. And I just, I'm so tired. <laughs> Well, it'll be a good tired. You're going to, you're going to sleep hard, Kathleen. For a whole week after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to, you're going to crash after that. Well, let's um, talk a little bit about peonies themselves. And mm -hmm. so we're talking about herbaceous ones in particular, but we can also talk about the, the woody ones as well. And, and as you said, peony is a favorite flower of many of us, including myself. And I've I'm so glad you mentioned the bloom length time because that's one thing I've been begging breeders to work on is <laughs> can you get a re-blooming peony? <laughs> I don't care yeah, if it's Festiva Maxima. Mm -hmm. Yep. Re-blooming or, or holds on to it longer, doesn't shatter like after a, a thunderstorm or a heavy rain like, like you had referred to. Um, so is there a variety in your collection that you recommend for longer lasting bloom? So let's, let's answer the question in a long way, and then we'll answer it more specifically. Mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of a particular flower on a particular peony plant, five days to seven days is about as much bloom I think you're going to get from that peony plant in your garden during that peony's bloom. That peony is going to open and fill out and peak and start to fade, start to finish in a cool spring, 70 degrees and under, you might get nine, 10 days. But in a hot spring, like we've just had 90 degree weather last week up until yesterday. And we are only what, March 24th? today. So we've had early heat in the garden. And in this weather, oh, right, May right? 24th, not March. Oh, sorry. May 24th. Yeah. You know, today it is 70 degrees, but May 23rd and for the three or four or five days prior in New Jersey, which is zone six, we were in the high eighties and even in the nineties, which is a lot of heat very early. So in the hot days, a good peony flower will last four days, three days before it starts to fade. The heat of the day really spends them. And so, and most peonies 
all the flowers open at the same time. So you're looking at them, you're watching them, you go to work in the morning and the buds are all still closed, you come back from work in the afternoon and all the buds are open and the next day it rains and they're all on the ground, right? And so yay, a peony. Mm -hmm. um, and that's typical. The, the thing about tree peonies versus herbaceous peonies is the tree peony is a poorly named plant. It's a woody peony. Mm -hmm. So if we look at our garden and our perennial plants as those that are woody shrubs and those that are herbaceous, green, tender or green plants that in the winter completely die away, our woodies have evergreen leaves or not and our perennial um, herbaceous plants go away completely in the winter. So the woodies go away to a certain extent, either leaves or not in the winter. And the herbaceous plants in our garden go away completely underground and come back because they're perennials. And so the peony genus, genus the genus Paonia, is divided into those plants that are woody, and these are known as the tree peonies, and those that are known as herbaceous. These are two sections of the genus Paonia, the trees bloom first, the herbaceous bloom second. When you ask about, is there a longer blooming plant, right? We have mm -hmm. what is called an intersectional peony, intercrossed of the sections. So we have the woody peony, the tree peony, crossed with an herbaceous peony, one from one section, one from another, and they are crossed. So we have an intersectional peony, which is also known as the Ito peony because a Mr. Ito, native to Japan in 1948, is the person who is credited with making the first cross of what are now known largely as the intersectional group of peonies. And in terms of length of bloom, what's curious about these is they start to bloom in the middle to the late portion of the herbaceous peony bloom. So our first intersectionals opened here on May 22nd. Normally they don't open till the beginning of June, but I think that early heat pushed the flowers open a little bit. But they bloom not all at once on each plant. They bloom in flushes. And so our garden treasure just started to open. And it's this canary yellow intersectional peony that was bred by Don Hollinsworth, who used to own Hollinsworth peonies and was for a number of years the president of the American Peony Society, which is a good society to learn more about if you want to learn more about peonies. Their website has a lot of information. So garden treasure started to open. And so my big garden treasure intersectional peony has two flowers on it today. And they look like tree peony flowers and the leaves look like tree peony leaves, but the plants are low growing, mounding, front of the border landscape plants that don't need to be staked. And over the next week, two weeks, maybe even three weeks, my garden treasure peony is going to have five flowers on it that open tomorrow and seven flowers that open three days later and three flowers that open a little bit after that and 10 more flowers that open a couple days after that. They bloom in flushes. And so it's not rare on one plant to have a seed pod forming a flower in full, outrageous, gorgeous bloom, and also buds just starting to peek out and open again. So in terms of a longer blooming peony, not a re-blooming peony, not an all-summer blooming peony, but more than a one-pop peony, look at the intersectional peonies or the Ito peonies, I-T-O-H. Um, Monrovia grows a lot of them. Um, garden centers tend to carry them. Mm -hmm. um, and the colors are more reminiscent of tree peony colors than um, uh, herbaceous peonies. You get good, strong yellows and some really pretty oranges. Um, and those colors are really rare in herbaceous peonies. So that might help. It's not a re-blooming. It doesn't really solve the problem. But it is a longer blooming peony. And we tend to, in our remarks about peonies, and this isn't always true, every spring, but generally the intersectionals are what are blooming when the garden closes. And so they kind of wind up the eight weeks of bloom 
in our thinking about this, the order of blooms in peonies. Nice. Well, I'll definitely be adding a few more of those to my peony collection. My two favorites, just to like shout out. Um, yes. Julia Rose is so crazy beautiful. I don't know if anybody grows Coral Charm or Coral Sunset, which are herbaceous peonies, but they start out this really bright orange, kind of corally orange. And as they open, they fade out to almost a white, kind of a creamy yellow white. Um, Julia Rose has this same kind of fade. So it starts out this really nice pomegranate fuchsia. And a couple days later, it is kind of tones of creamsicle and orange. And even later, it'll fade out to a light yellow. And so because the flowers bloom at different times, you have this whole colorway expressed at one time on one plant. And so it is like an incredible like clown car of carnival <laughs> in your garden. <laughs> so that's Julia Rose. And my other favorite we mentioned is Garden Treasure. I think mm. Don Hollinsworth, the, the peonies that Don Hollinsworth bred I think are some very nice peonies. The ones that he brought to the public are really very nice quality plants. And Garden Treasure is one that he hybridized. I think early 80s, I want to say 89, but you have to check on that. Well, gorgeous. And so you mentioned uh, the seed pods, which I want to talk about for a second too, but also that variegation in the petal colors as the flowers age on the plant is one of the most amazing thing I think in peonies is that kind of almost going from sunrise to sunset in whatever the color spectrum it is. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you wake up that morning and the coral charm or whichever one you're looking at isn't quite the tone you like, you know, wait an hour. <laughs> I agree, right? We grow, so there are certain, so not all peonies fade. You know, Red Charm is an American Peony Society gold medal winner it is a hybrid, even though it's an herbaceous peony, because it has a lactiflora parent and an officinalis parent. It gets its red color, true red, not magenta red or burgundy red, but true red color from its officinalis species parent, which is native to Europe. And it gets its fragrance and its bold flower form and its, you know, from its lactiflora peony parent, which are both herbaceous. One is lactiflora native to China and one officinalis native to Europe. And this is crossed. And red charm is perfect every time it blooms. It's the one that I just had rows of blooming this morning. And it's scarlet red and it holds on and it's scarlet red until the petals fall off. But Scarlet O'Hara is a scarlet red peony for about a minute. And when it opens, it's three or four feet tall. It's single. It is one of the most beautiful peonies. And it's just so gay, so happy, so, I mean, as, as free and wild as Red Charm is stately. But it fades. And so the back of the rib of the petal is white. And as the petal fades, the petals fade almost white. And then the rib of the petal is red. And it's like, oh my goodness. And we plant um, Scarlet O'Hara. And it is as good as Scarlet O'Hara in all the theater. Um, <laughs> and Coral Charm and Coral Sunset. We plant these in mass. And at the display garden, people are like, oh, what was that yellow one up there by the hump? And I'm like, well, that's Scarlet Sunset. You know, that's not, sorry, it's Coral Sunset. And they're like, no, 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 not the coral one. It's the orange one that's growing next to it. Or it's a yellow one that's growing next to it. No, no, it's white. No, no, it's, well, it's, it's kind of a, and I'm like, all right, so let's go for a walk. And so I get all my steps in and we go up there and we look at them and we're like, I'm like, there are probably 200 of them planted in front of this one shed. And I take people up there and I look and I'm like, this is all the same peony. It is all coral sunset. And it starts out that dark, dark orange and it fades all the way to this almost white yellow. And so in mass, you have all of this out there, just like Julia Rose in one little plant. You have all of this out there. The thing about the coral, the coral sunset is the flower in one plant opens all at the same time. And so it takes a mass planting to have the colorway 
But in Julia Rose, which is the intersectional peony, because the flowers open at different times on the same plant, you can have this little carnival all in one plant together. Right. So, I mean, we could wax on. You know. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> my, kids, my kids are all grown up and, you know, they've like done their good thing and gone on to their independent lives. And so now these like peonies in my garden, I have to think of my little children. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then one of the things that I love on peonies is even if the bloom time is short, that seed head mm. um, looks like a little crown sometimes. Sometimes yeah, it yeah. has like a little you know, spike on it almost. And I always find it, you know, sad when people deadhead all their peonies. I'm like, leave some of those up because they, some of them can be really striking and dramatic. Are there particular varieties that the seed heads turn or look really cool on? Well, so I agree with you. So the thing about, so if we're looking at tree peonies, never deadhead your tree peony because most tree peonies are fertile. And most seeds from the pod of a tree peony seed pod, and every flower produces a seed pod, and every seed pod produces mm, 30 seeds, more or less. Um, and each one of those seeds will grow an individual new type of tree peony. And so collect your seeds, plant your seeds. Um, the seeds might not germinate above ground. They might not show anything above ground the first year. So they drop in the fall, September, October, um, and you plant them right away like rows of peas. And you plant them where you're not going to disturb them and where you will know what they are when they finally emerge. But it's like a pot that never boils. And so we plant them in, a, we plant them in raised beds and we plant thousands of seeds in one raised bed. And when they're about three or four years old, the wood is only like a big toothpick or a small chopstick. And they're, you know, three, four years, four, three, four inches tall, hmm. a few years, you know, after they've sprouted. And at that point, we plant them out. And out of a thousand seedlings, we might get one that we think, oh, this has legs. And maybe we will decide to propagate this on further. But they're all beautiful. They all smell. Some, of, Most of them are just simple white tree peonies, but they're worth holding on to the seeds and not deading, deadheading them. Herbaceous peonies are largely sterile or don't produce seed pods. It's the old-fashioned singles that have lots of stamens, um, lots of pollen that are fertile. And so it's, it's not, I think that one of the reasons people don't collect seeds on their peonies is A, it takes a long time from when it flowers to when the seeds are ripe. Mm -hmm. Peonies are slow, um, slow in germinating seeds, slow in flowering from seed and slow in developing seeds. And so I think that they're not something that we look to, to collect and grow from seed. In addition to that, many herbaceous peonies in order to get all those luscious petals for those big double double flowers we have in our hybridization process taken away the ability for the plant to be fertile and produce seed it might be fertile to give pollen but it might not be fertile to produce seed. And so many of the herbaceous peonies, and most people grow herbaceous peonies first, don't produce seed. So we're not in the habit of collecting seed or looking for the seed from our herbaceous peonies. But I agree with you. Wait, don't deadhead them. Wait mm -hmm. to find out the characteristic of your peony before you decide, oh, it doesn't produce seed, and so I can deadhead it. Um, if I could name a website, um, there is a website um, that is done by a man named Karsten, C-A-R-S-T-E-N. And this is a Dutch website, and I don't have it in front of me, but if I Google Karsten Peony Project or Karsten Peony Database, you will get a Dutch website and this gentleman has compiled the most amazing collection of data on peonies. And if you have a certain peony in your garden and you want to know if it's fertile for pollen or fertile for seed or which way, the answer to that question is probably on his website. 
And so if you Google Festiva Maxa peony, you'll find out the hybridizer, all the catalog data over the centuries on that peony, lots of pictures. And sometimes you'll find out, is it seed producing? Is it fertile for pollen and these kinds of things? But in the hybridization of the herbaceous peony to get more, more petals, we have taken away some of the fertility. And so it is not uncommon for an herbaceous peony not to have seed. It's less common in tree peonies. Tree mm -hmm. peonies generally tend to be a more open flower and have um, the ability both to produce seed and to produce pollen. Um, but it's not necessarily true of herbaceous peonies. And intersectional peonies, which make this great, crazy, wonderful seed pod, are infertile. The seed pod is huge and luscious, but it is empty of seed. It's a triploid. So they've taken a diploid and a tetraploid and crossed them. Mm -hmm. And so it has an extra strand of DNA and it's unable then to be able to um, produce seed. And so if you like your seed, if you like the look of the seed pot on the intersectional peony, and I do, you can leave it there for ornamental reasons. But if you think it makes your garden look messy, you can go ahead and deadhead that <laughs> seed pod because it won't ever produce any seed. Or I, mean, I don't think it will ever produce any seed. But even though sterile, still pretty. <laughs> and ornamental and seed pods. I mean, in mm -hmm. addition to producing seed, I always put them in Christmas wreaths. If I make Christmas wreaths or have greenery on my wreaths, you know, when I make my wreaths for Christmas, I always stick in the uh, peony seed pods because they're beautiful. Yeah. Once they open and they drop the seed, they're gorgeous ornamental. I've always thought I should cast one and make it out of silver or pewter and use it as like a napkin ring or just a piece of art, you know, for the garden. Anyway. Yeah, it would it would look really cool. They're beautiful. They really, really are. So I agree with you. Leave your seed Leave your flowers, let them drop their petals and see if your peony produces seed. And if it does, you will be, I think, very, very happy that you let that process. And I'm looking at the Karsten website. It's P-A-E-O-N dot D-E. So Paon dot D-E. Mm -hmm. um, but easily Google, Googleable, if that's a word, <laughs> and, and findable. Yeah, tell me again what it is. It's p a e o n dot d e. Mm -hmm. It's a great website. And that one is wonderful. I can see he has depths and depths of that I'll be exploring for the next week or so and looking at. <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> you, know, you know a peony that I love, Kathy, and I I don't remember the garden that you saw it in, but I remember you were talking to me, and this mm -hmm. is back in the day when I knew less. But there's a wonderful garden in D.C. And you were telling me, you came up and you said, do you have this particular peony? And I had yeah. never heard you remember what it is? That was at Dumbarton Oaks in oh, D.C. The so they have a beautiful collection of peonies there. And that uh, particular peony that I fell in love with when I saw it in their garden is Dutel. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so now we grow Dutel in our garden. And it's blooming as of today in the garden. And it is also now one of my favorite peonies. And I have to thank you for, for mentioning that to me because I had not heard of it prior. And so every time I think of you, I think of Dutel. And every time Dutel is blooming in my garden, I think of you. Wow. Oh, and, and, and same one. I just cut three blooms off my Dutel to enjoy inside today on this rainy day. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm so glad to have this from her. <laughs> it's such a beautiful, <laughs> and that's so true of peonies in general that, especially the, you know, the old fashioned herbaceous ones that have been passed on from generation to generation, from grandmother to granddaughter. And that's how I have Festiva Maxima mm -hmm. in, in my collection. And I think Red Charm as well was a was a pass along plant. Um, so I think that's a lot of us started off and then started to collect more and more, but still sharing peonies with each other. Are there a few that you would recommend for, you know, I don't have any peony in my collection type of people. What's the one I should start with? Oh, so, so you mentioned Festiva Maxima, right? And so the, the three, I think, that our grandmas may have started us off with are Festiva Maxima, which was hybridized in 1851 mm. and is still on the market. And so what that means is this fabulous white tall, kind of floppy, great cut flower peony with red flecks and a beautiful fragrance. 
is still on the market and still popular because nothing has been hybridized in the last 170 years that is better for this particular purpose. And so nothing has pushed it out of the market yet, do you know? And like there is Festiva Dream, which is, you know, a cultivar by Clem. And Clem, unfortunately, and so with such heavy heart, has now is no longer with us. Um, the company um, closed its doors finally in December of this past year, 2020. Mm, very sad, it, yeah. It's so sad. And so, you know, those of, those of us who relied on Clem for so many things are, I mean, me in particular, will miss them very, very much. But um, they have peonies called Festiva Dream. So if you Google on Karsten's website, Clem, as a breeder, you'll see a lot of peonies with Festiva in the name. And these have Festiva Maxima in sometimes as one of the parents. And so there are a lot of red and white striped peonies that are similar to Festiva Maxima. But Festiva Maxima continues to be a wonderfully reliable constant bloomer, easy growing, fabulous cut flower peony. Another one is Sarah Bernhardt. You know, if you want a pink peony that just knocks your socks off, Sarah Bernhardt, as dramatic as the actress and just lovely. I think it was hybridized in 1907 and I could be off by a year, um, but it has been around for more than a hundred years. We didn't used to grow it. We we're like, why should we like Land is expensive in New Jersey and we don't have enough of it. And mm-hmm. so why would I grow Sarah Bernhardt? You can get Sarah Bernhardt everywhere from every grower from like, you know, Home Depot sometimes. It might not actually be, some, you know, Sarah Bernhardt, but, you know, you can buy them in a lot of different places. And so I thought starting out that I should only grow peonies that are really hard to find. And a lot of our peonies are really hard to find. And that's great. But not everybody needs something that's hard to find. And we'll kind of come back to that. And so we didn't grow Sarah Bernhardt. And people would come up to a flower show and go, well, do you have Sarah Bernhardt? I'm like, no, I don't grow that one. And they'd like look at me like, like, well, why? And I'm like, oh, and I try to start. And they just walk away shaking their heads like, well, this woman doesn't know anything about anything. She doesn't grow Sarah Bernhardt. And so we now grow Festiva Maxima, Sarah Bernhardt, and Carl Rosenfeld, I think, is another you know, um, I think the hybridization date on Carl Rosenfeld is 1908. Yeah. And it is these three peonies. If you were going to start Carl Rosenfeld, Sarah Bernhardt and Festiva Maxima are three fabulous peonies, white, pink, and kind of a magenta, which is sometimes called red in peony world. Um, and it's not truly red, um, cause it's only lactoflora in its species, it's not a hybrid, it's a lactiflora peony and red is magenta, not red. Um, and so those three, I think are tried and true. If we go fabulous, but a little bit one step outside for a white, I would recommend Avalanche. I would recommend Mother's Choice. I would recommend Corn d'Or, and I don't speak French, so I'm sorry, but it translates as Crown of Gold. These are three whites. One has flex, one is kind of a blush that is bright white, and one is like really tall. They're all big, full, double flowers, but whites, avalanche, crown of gold, and um, mother's choice are three whites. Pinks, I love pillow talk. I love James pillow. I love um, Jacorma, which is an old peony, but new to me. J-A-C-O-R-M-A. I love the fawn. The fawn is a pink peony that is stippled. It has, it looks like your spray paint can broke. And I just am in love with that peony right now. Um, And so they kind of grow with and alongside Sarah Bernhardt. I love Alexander Fleming, Dr. Alexander Fleming. It's a 1950 cultivar and one of its parents is Sarah Bernhardt. Same flower shape, but a little bit darker pink. Um, And then, you know, I don't know. I don't have a lot. Oh, 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 too big. Big Ben right now is blooming in my garden. It's a magenta and Mm. it's tall and strong and just so beautiful. And so Big Ben would be another. And another big, big magenta red 
would be Paul M. Wild. If you could, Wild used to be a hybridizer of many things back in the day and had a big catalog, mail order catalog. And um, Wild, Paul M. Wild grew, um, and now I can't remember the name, um, Paul M. Wild, it was, it grew this tall, big peony. And I really, really like that. And so that kind of gets you in that same thread, but a little bit outside the three most classic peonies. Um, if you're growing in the South, um, a little bit hotter climates, herbaceous peonies tend to kind of not bloom so well south of Atlanta, south of zone eight um, across the country. But Coral Charm, um, Festiva Maxima, um, Crinkled White, some of the lighter flower forms and some of the very old peonies do well in the south. Um, on our website, Peonies Envy, we have a whole chapter on things to look for to grow well when you're a little bit challenged on how hot your climate is. Peonies need a cold winter. So if you're growing in the south, save your ice from Christmas until the second week in February. And every time you have a party, all your punch bowl ice put on top of your peony roots as though it's snow. So think huh. every week in this in Atlanta, for example, if you're growing in Atlanta or South Carolina or you're closer to the coast and you want to like mm, have more bloom in your peonies, shallow planting under the ground, but not very far under the ground and never, ever, ever mulch your peonies, your herbaceous peonies, because it'll make them too far under the ground. And the little tips in the crown where the flowers are forming won't get cold enough to form a flower. So if you're a little on the southern edge of zone eight and you want to grow peonies, look at the ones that we recommend in for the southern climate in our care pages. And then when you have extra ice, put them on the top of your peony roots so that your peonies get like a snow chill every time you have extra ice. And if you do that like once a week for six weeks, you'll have a lot bigger peony bloom because the plant will get cold enough to force the flowers. Wow, that's so fascinating. And I'm going to I'm going to put that in my back pocket because of climate change. Because <laughs> we're you know, we're yep, we're we're on that 7 almost 8 in parts of the parts of the city are, are mm -hmm. pushing that zone eight right now. So yeah, that, exactly. that could be needed in a few years. Mm -hmm. So do you find Kathy in DC that some years your peony bloom is more floriferous than others? Yeah, definitely. I think when we have colder winters or we get a really good freeze over the winter, um, the peonies look better the next year. And that same thing with our lilacs, of course, as well. Right. Um, and also bearded iris. I'll, I'll throw that one in there too, that I, I think they like it a little bit colder in the winter than, than we normally can have, but. Yeah. You know. yeah. And so it's, it's the cold that pushes the formation of the flower. Mm -hmm. And so if you're having a real temperate winter in DC, try icing your peonies um, for a couple weeks, up to six weeks, kind of from, you know, January 1st through, um, through the second week in uh, February. Wow. So in our last few minutes together, um, I'm going to ask you a slightly controversial peony question, and maybe oh, okay. this one's an easy one for you. Um, so some people love the full filled in, you know, herbaceous peony look, and some people love the totally open single. You can see all the stamens look. Um, yeah. Where on the spectrum do you fall in that? Mm -hmm. So I tell people, so people, when they come to me and they're like, I'm new to peonies, I want to start a garden, the, the, the Sarah Bernhardt peony, this luscious pink, double, no stamens, um, lots and lots of petals, fragrant, big, is sort of the quintessential standard. This is where we start. And I, I say a couple things. One, if you want only a pink garden, Let's start with five peonies, but let's make them all five different pinks. Let's add the fawn. Let's add pillow talk. Let's add jacorma. Let's add, let's have one Sarah Bernhardt and four others. I like them all to be the same height, but I, you know, I can push into not having a mass planting. That said, I love mass plantings, but that's for another whole time. But let's get five different pinks or five different whites. Lots of people build white gardens. They only want white gardens. 
My second thing is to push them a little bit outside the comfort zone of what type of flower form they want. I think that a single flower form allows you to see the complexity of a double or rose flower form. And I think the complexity of a rose flower form in a peony lets you see the simplicity of a single flower form. And I think the juxtaposition of both color and form of the peony flowers will make your bouquets more interesting, will make your gardens more interesting, will make your bloom of peonies longer. Sometimes single flowers, not always, but sometimes single flowers bloom earlier than double flowers. Um, two of my favorite singles are Scarlet O'Hara and Crinkled White. Crinkled White is, a, I think, 1927, very classic white peony. And another single white that I love is Ivory Atlas. This is also a Clem, and I think it's a Clem. And I love this peony. So Crinkled White is a single white. Ivory Atlas is a single white. And Scarlet O'Hara is a single red. Clem had some really fun Burma. Burma Joy, Burma Midnight. Those are fun kind of deep burgundy singles. And once we get a little bit more transformed from a single, we have what's called an anemone um, form flower. And here, the mm -hmm. stamens have been transformed, but not yet to petals. They're called staminoids. And the staminoids look like a stamen a little bit, but they're a little bit bigger, a little bit grander. And sometimes they're two-toned. Sometimes they're red. Sometimes they're yellow with red edges. And I think having that kind of fun in your colorway is another step, you know, to fun. Um, and so I would play with flower form as well as flower color in your garden. And when you're building, like we know what we love and it's your garden, right? But you're never going to know what else you could love unless you taste that food or speak that language, right? And so I think in, in our gardens, we are, you know, like happy, maybe well-served to take one step outside of what's comfortable and try something new. If you don't love it, you could always dig it up and give it to a really good friend, do you know? Like you don't have to love everything you try, but I think it's good to try. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I am now at the point where if it's new, if it's different, people ask me, what's your favorite? I'm like, I don't know. Like right now, these things are blooming. And so right now in my garden, Atlas, you know, Ivory Atlas is blooming and Do Tell just started. And oh my God, Command Performance just opened for the first time. And Red Grace is blooming. And you know, they're all favorites. But I think step outside your comfort zone, both in flower form and in color, just a little bit. And I think you'll be happy with the result because simplicity allows you to see complexity and complexity allows you to enjoy simplicity in reverse. That is great advice, Kathleen. <laughs> and I thank you so much for sharing all your peony wisdom and your love of peonies, your passion shows and shines through. And for those who want to connect with you, um, of course, if they're going to go to the Philadelphia Flower Show at the beginning of June in 2021, they can see you there. Uh, but if they are not going to be able to get to the Flower Show, how else can they reach you? We have a website and it's peoniesenvy.com. And Peonies Envy is spelt with an apostrophe. So the website is P E O N Y S. E-N-V-Y, peony, S for Sally, and envy, like green with envy, dot com. And uh, if, you know, reach out to us, send us an email, all our information is there, come visit us in the gardens. Um, and if you're just wanting to learn more about peonies, um, we still have a lot to learn and so it's not complete, but there's a big pink button to the right-hand side of the homepage and it says, learn about peonies. And in there we have all of the things that we discussed tonight, what to do with cut flowers, how to treat disease, what to be careful of, how to fertilize, how to maintain, what's the difference between organic growing and not. Um, and a lot of information to sort of round out or introduce you 
to your knowledge of peonies. Fantastic. So Kathleen, I'm going to be seeing you at the Philadelphia Flower Show and I have a giant post-it note that says the fawn. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's really, really cute. Enjoy. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Herbaceous peonies, plant profile. Herbaceous peonies are among my favorite flowers. Peonies are easy to grow and will reward you with armfuls of luscious blooms every May into June in the mid-Atlantic United States. Once established, the only care they need is to cut back the dying foliage in autumn. Select a well-draining spot in your garden for your peonies. Be sure to give them space to grow as well since this perennial grows to shrub-like proportions in a single season. Having said that, herbaceous peonies really do play well with others in your perennial borders, combining well with roses, catmint, salvias, and clematis. The only trick to herbaceous peonies is not to plant them too deep. When you get a peony root division, you will see the reddish eyes, the newly emerging plants. Plant them with the tips of the roots pointed downwards and the eyes set just below the surface of the soil. Amend the planting hole with peat and then mulch it over very lightly with leaf compost. Do not add in any fertilizer. Herbaceous peonies are shallow rooted, so try not to dig or bother the plants too much around their crown area. When you weed around it, just cut the nearby weeds off at the soil level. You may have to give the heavy blooms some staking and support, but I find that if I cut them off at the bud stage to enjoy indoors often enough, I don't have to worry about the characteristic peony flop. If a storm is brewing and your peonies are in full bloom, run out and cut all the blossoms that you can. A hard rain can often pummel and destroy these beautiful flowers. Peonies are long-lived plants. Some can last for a century or more. They are also great plants to divide and share with other flower lovers. Whether you choose an heirloom peony like Festiva Maxima or a newer selection such as Green Halo, a peony is a must-have addition to your garden. Herbaceous peonies, you can grow that. What's new this week in the garden? Well, that little sample you just heard was the Cicada Brood 10, AKA Brood X. Not a car alarm going off in the background. So they've quieted down now that the weekend is cool and rainy, but I expect them to pipe back up to their normal levels when it warms up next week. Elsewhere in the garden, I've been cutting my peonies and visiting peony farms. If you can't get up to New Jersey to visit Peonies Envy, then there is the Seneca Creek State Park Peony Garden. The Schwartz Garden is located on the Gaithersburg Germantown border. It's inside a state park, so if you go, you may have to pay a fee if you don't have a state park pass, but it's just a nominal fee and the peonies are just gorgeous. There's a groomed manicured area of peonies that you can walk among. And then there's also a more wild field of peonies popping up that just has mowed paths through it. So check that out as well. Uh, Elsewhere in the local gardening world, we have coming up the Annapolis Secret Garden Tour. That's the weekend of June 5th and 6th. And then I'm giving a talk for Green Spring Gardens on Saturday, June 12th at 11 a.m. on attractive and lasting plant combinations. This is a virtual talk uh, online, so anybody uh, anywhere in the world can sign up for it for a nominal fee. You would just go to fairfaxcounty.gov slash park slash park takes 
and then look for Lasting Plant Combinations Talk. And I just want to make a note that most of my virtual talks are recorded and available afterwards, but Fairfax County Parks and Green Spring Gardens is not recording this, so you will have to sign up and experience it live if you want to um, sit in on that talk. So in my community garden plot, I have been picking strawberries still this week, cutting lettuce. I have my first few of the sugar snap peas. I'm so happy to see fava beans finally forming so I can maybe harvest some of those in a week or two. And I have lots of herbs coming up and my cutting garden just starting off. And so I've cut a bouquet of yarrow so far and waiting for my seedlings of zinnias and everything else to be coming up as well. Um, close to my home, I have a little patch of serviceberry trees that I forage berries from, and this week got a couple cupfuls, and I plan to go back for a couple cupfuls more before the orange rust uh, starts to overtake them and before the birds. Have, who have, may have slowed down on the cicadas decide to turn their attention to the berries. So I hope you're getting some fresh harvest in your garden. I hope that you're cutting some flowers to enjoy when you have to spend time inside. And I just want to thank you for listening to the Garden DC podcast. Your support means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Garden DC. You can become a listener supporter for as little as 99 cents a month by going to anchor.fm slash garden DC slash support. Another way to support this podcast is to subscribe to our monthly digital publication, Washington Gardener Magazine. To do so, go to washingtongardener.com. Thank you. You can find Washington Gardener online at WashingtonGardener.com, on Twitter at WDC Gardener, on Instagram at WDC Gardener, and on Facebook.com at Washington Gardener Magazine.